with that. Steve, why don't you come up? Let's give Steve a warm Church in the City welcome if we can. Steve and Terry Barr are dear friends. We've known them for about uh, 12 years since we've been here in, uh, in Chicago. Steve and Terry serve on the translocal team that Church in the City partners with called New Covenant Ministries. They've been serving on this team for about uh, 16, 17 years or so. Not that long? Uh, 12 years, 14 years. Give me a number, Steve. Keep guessing. <laughs> 11 years. Uh, Steve and Terry hail from Placerville, which is just uh, east of Sacramento, about 60 miles east of Sacramento. Been leading an outstanding church called Westside for the last 16 years. I got that number right. There you go. And um, it is abs- an absolute delight. Steve um, was actually uh, here in Chicago. A small group of guys had gathered, uh, including Mark, Mark's brother Mike, and Chris Q. Uh, I saw Chris earlier today. Wave at me, Chris. He was there. He's obviously getting coffee. Oh, there he is at the back. Get down here, Chris. Come on. And uh, Chris Q, Mark and Mike, and a friend called Dan Younglove uh, were kind of uh, forming a small group that was saying we would love a church to be planted in downtown Chicago. And, uh, and Steve came out um, to visit with this group and just to pray with them and see what God would do. And uh, this is before God called us to, to come to Chicago. So Steve, has, Steve and Terry have, have owned church in the city, owned this city in their hearts for many, many years, and it is a huge delight and privilege to, to have you guys with us. Terry ministered to the woman yesterday morning, and by all accounts, it was an outstanding, outstanding time. Um, so, should we pray for you, Steve? I think we should. Let's, uh, let's reach out our hands, and let's trust for, for God just to touch you. Lord, thank you for Steve. Thank you for Terry. Thank you for Westside, Lord God. Thank you, uh, Lord God, for, for that church releasing this couple, Lord God, to us today. And you, we, we, we receive them, Lord, as the gift that they are to not just to this church, but churches across this nation, Lord God. And I, I pray, Father, for your anointing on Steve as he, as he ministers today. I pray, Lord God, that you would use him, Lord, to impart your heart to us. We are hungry for your word, Jesus. We are hungry for Thank your you, instruction. Jesus. And so we ask that through Steve, you would do exactly that. Minister to us, we pray. Holy Spirit, come, refresh us, anoint Steve, anoint us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Are we on here? On on this microphone? Test, test. All right, great. It's so good to be here uh, this morning. It's actually a privilege to be here. And um, I don't know if you guys realize it, but uh, our church in California has releases Terry and myself to come out and sow into and build into local churches. You guys do that for Steve and Deb, and uh, we appreciate that. They've been out to Westside Church, and they have laid uh, great foundations and have been a huge blessing. And the only way that they can do that is because there's a strong, healthy church here to release them and a great eldership team and a, a whole bunch of people who love God and just carry on with the business of the kingdom. So thank you very much. It's great to be connected to churches uh, around the world, and uh, particularly around this nation. And so um, I got a lot to do this morning. Uh, I have an illustration that I'm going to show you in just a couple minutes. And uh, uh, Steve had asked me to do that. And actually, it's a passion of mine is to uh, encourage people to represent Jesus in their sphere of influence. Uh, I want to just introduce myself, just for those of you that don't know me, that weren't here. Uh, Last time Terry and I were here, uh, I was a... um, orphan child uh, in Santa Barbara, California, where I grew up. Um, My two sisters and I 
Uh, well, I, my older sisters did. I didn't know my dad, and my mom passed away when I was five. And so we were products of, uh, or wards of the state and passed around to quite a few foster homes, uh, uh, some good and some not so good and some really not so good. And finally, just before I turned eight years old, uh, a pastor and his wife and their four kids took my two sisters and me in, and that's my family to this day. Uh, my dad went to Moody. Uh, he also went to Wheaton. And uh, it wasn't long before I began to hear about Jesus and how much he loved me. And uh, I, I didn't have a huge life of crime uh, by that time. I did steal cough drops from the grocery store once. And, um, but, you know, I was a, a little kid, and I understood that I was a sinner, and I knew that I wanted to give my life to Jesus. And, and I did. I gave my heart to him wholeheartedly as much as an eight-year-old can. And um, I'll tell you what, I love that song, Great Is Thy Faithfulness, ever since that time. Uh, of December 1961, walking down the aisle of my church, knowing that I'm giving my heart to Jesus. He's never failed me yet. He's been there all along. And so I know that most of you are believers here today. Most of you are Christ followers. Uh, you want to serve him. Uh, if you closed your eyes and dreamt for a few minutes, you would think of the wonderful things that you want to see God do through your life. And I want to encourage you, whatever that dream is, make it bigger. Dream bigger dreams. Uh, because God is able to help you fulfill those uh, in his kingdom. So whatever your passion is, whether it's sports, uh, extreme sports, or whether it's homemaking, or whether it's medicine, or education, or politics, or law, or, or the arts, or it doesn't matter what it is, whatever your passion is, use that to advance the kingdom uh, to uh, enlarge your sphere of influence. So uh, he's been faithful. Um, Terry and I were in our dream jobs in our mid-40s. And I was a superintendent of a Christian school system in Southern California. She was an attorney in Orange County. We knew that God was drawing us to lead a church. So we moved up to Northern California, which is uh, quite a bit of different uh, culture from Southern California. And uh, we took over a, a church that was actually about to close their doors. And um, it's been a wonderful privilege. 16 years we've been up there, and we love every minute of it. We love uh, working with people. We love the family that God gave us. And we're seeing fruit there, and that's the, the huge blessing. So uh, we wanted to bring a whole bunch of our church here this morning, uh, but we couldn't afford it. And so we have some actors uh, with us today. I'm going to ask you guys to just come and, and stand all the way across the front. These are some real people from Westside Church, just so that you can get to know us a little bit. And uh, I want to introduce them to you. And uh, I don't want you to forget this illustration, really. I don't want you to. In fact, a year from now, I can almost guarantee you, you're going to forget what I preached about. But you will remember this illustration. All right? Are you ready for this? I enjoy this. I used to be a teacher and uh, taught junior high for quite a few years. And, uh, these are just uh, a random assortment of people from our church, and some have really amazing stories uh, that you could almost uh, make movies out of, and others just grew up quietly in the church, gave their lives to Christ. That's Joey over there. Joey is uh, a young deacon in our church. He and his wife just had their first little baby boy, and uh, Joey was an agnostic in high school. And here's how he came to Jesus. Some friends at, the high, at our church youth group invited him to church, and uh, he wasn't so sure. And slowly, you know, he's a scientist. He became, he's a math teacher, and... and um, 
he realized that God loved him and he chose to give his life to Jesus. He's serving Jesus now, representing him well. This is Tad. Tad's an adventurer. Uh, Tad uh, came to Jesus because his parents brought him to church. And uh, he grew up in the church, was taught the Word of God at home and at church, and he gave his life to Christ. He is an extreme adventurer. He's been to the heart of Africa about five times on missions trips. Uh, he's a rock climber and a wilderness hiker and a, uh, just a, a, a very talented, artistic guy, but uh, loves God with all his heart. This is Mike. Mike is a, um, an elder in our church. He actually leads worship. And uh, he... Uh, he he didn't believe in God. He's a geologist, a scientist. And uh, years ago, uh, he had to drive his wife to church uh, for, she, she wasn't well, and he had to drive his wife to church. For 18 months, he sat at the back with his arms folded and resisted the gospel. And uh, finally, one, one day, he gave his life to Jesus. And now he's grown steadily, and uh, he's a talented mu- musician. We he, he leads our worship team. We call him the cross between the um, eagles and the partridge family. That's our worship team. And um, that's him. This is Janelle. Janelle's a, a young mother in our church, and she was raised Jewish. And uh, the way she came to Jesus was her husband brought her to church and uh, said, we're going to church. And uh, she came. She thought that she would get hit with a bolt of lightning going into a Gentile church. And uh, month after month after month, one day, I-, I gave the gospel and I said, listen, if you said yes to Jesus today, in your seat, right where you are, and you meant it, you give me a big hug at the door on the way out and say, I said yes to Jesus first time today, and I meant it. And that's Janelle. This is Patty. Uh, Patty is a, a young grandmother in our church, and um, she's also, um, what would you call her, an uh, ultra-marathoner. Uh, she is a runner a runner's runner, and uh, she's very fit, and uh, she has uh, six kids, and uh, grandkids are coming on the way. Patty had an interesting story. When she was just married, uh, she and a friend were walking downtown Placerville, and a guy pulled over uh, in a car and with a gun forced them to get in the car, took them up into the hills, and assaulted them, and then shot both of them in the back of the head twice, left them in a ditch, and uh, Patty somehow survived. Her friend did not. And uh, Patty found her way to forgiveness and victory. And uh, she chose to serve Jesus. And if you met her now, you'd say, there's a person who is full of joy and a delight to know. Uh, This is Tom (laughs) Engel. We haven't done this one before. All right. Uh, this is Tom and Joan. Um, they're an older couple in the church. Joan came to Christ, or came to our church, because somebody invited her at the grocery store by the potatoes. They overheard Joan and her friend saying, Hey, we don't know where to go to church. We're looking for a church. And somebody in our church overheard that and invited them. Just said, Hey, why don't you come to our church? In fact, the person that that invited Joan, uh, Joan was 70 years old at that time. Uh, The person who invited Joan said, we'll pick you up. So that Sunday, uh, the person from our church picked picked her up, and uh, her and her husband, Tom, came to church. A couple months later, they were in our, our vision and values class. And I always go through the, what we believe, the plan of salvation, how you get to know Jesus. 
And uh, I just felt the Lord slap me upside the head. And he goes, what are you going so fast for? So I just paused. And I looked up. And Joan had a little tear in her eye. I said, Joan, what's, what's wrong? And uh, she said, you know what? I've heard this all my life. I've gone to church all my life. But I've never understood it until now. I said, Joan, do you want to ask Jesus in your heart right this minute? And she said, yes, I do. And I can't tell you what a miracle that is for somebody who's 70 years old to authentically give their life to Christ. And, and her husband did the same thing as well. A week later, they were baptized because that's what the Bible says. When you come to Jesus, get baptized. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, so they're a great couple. Tom passed away about three years ago. And Joan is one of our church widows now, and um, everybody loves her to death. And uh, they're a great witness uh, to the faithfulness of God. This is Jenna. She's a young mother in our church. She's a nurse. Uh, she's got, just had her second baby. She and her husband are deacons in, in our church, have a great small group, a home group. And um, Jenna came to Christ because her parents brought her to church every week. And uh, she didn't have a huge story like some of these others do. But she loved Jesus, and she gave her heart to him. And she, she uh, had uh, ups and downs, just like any human being does. But she's really serving Jesus. She has a, a real heart for people who are on the uh, periphery, uh, this, the outskirts. And she has a great way of bringing them in and sharing her faith with them. This is Pam. Pam is a recovered alcoholic, and she loves God. She's one of our our very best uh, greeters and uh, hospitality people because she makes everybody uh, feel very welcome, very warm. And she came to Christ uh, because somebody, um, uh, actually it was their babysitter. Uh, when, when Pam uh, had, had a little uh, daughter, uh, th- their babysitter invited her, Pam, to church. Pam started coming. She didn't know anything about the Bible. She had never been to church one day in her life. In fact, she called her friend after a while. She read in the Bible that Mary was a virgin. She goes, is that true? I have never heard that before. That's how little she knew. And uh, actually now she's one of our uh, leaders in the church and doing a terrific job. This is Joe. About 15 years ago, he was Mr. Football. And uh, he was dedicated to the religion of Sunday morning football, all day Sunday football. And would not leave that. His wife actually invited him to church. And he goes, no, I'm not going. And finally, she didn't give up, but finally he went. And he goes, I'll go once, but I'm not going back. And uh, so much for words said, because Joe has never missed a Sunday since. It's been about 15 years. Uh, He's now one of our elders in our church, one of the most excitable and excited guys about Jesus, uh, just the faithfulness of God. This is Jeff. Uh, Jeff is a four-wheel drive fanatic. And uh, one of our small groups at Westside is called Westside Wheelers. Uh, they go up into the Sierra Nevada mountains. That's their small group. This summer, they had 75 people go up, and uh, about six people got baptized. And uh, that's, that's their passion, is four-wheel driving. So I said, serve God that, that way. So that's how they've uh, brought people into the church. Well, we have a little berm on the side of our parking lot. It's, about, it's dirt. It goes up about six feet at a 45-degree angle. Well, all of our four-wheel drivers on Sunday morning, they park their Jeeps up like that. (laughs) So we were having a picnic out in the front, and Jeff swung in, and he goes, are you having a four-wheel drive event here? And we said, no, we're having a church picnic. 
And he goes, oh. And so they grabbed him. The two guys grabbed him and went around. I remember uh, they introduced him to me. His eyes were wide, and he was eating, you know, chicken or something like this. And, and, uh, but he went to the next event that they did, and then he went to the next one. And then he went to the next one. Three times he went, and then finally he said, okay, I'm going to start coming to church. I like what you guys are about. And about six months after uh, he came, uh, he came to the door to me at the door too and put his arm around me and said I said yes to Jesus today for the very first time and I meant it and this is Tina she's a businesswoman in our church she is the president of the El Dorado County Wine Association Wine Growers and Producers Association and um, she and her husband own a business and uh, they're successful mom and pop business they are like a couple years ago they were voted the best wine tasting experience in the county and things like that and and uh, they single-handedly have brought probably more visitors and new people to west side and gotten them plugged in than any other five or eight families in the church just because they represent they have our west side info to their desk they tell their testimony of god's faithfulness every time somebody uh, is tasting in their room and uh uh, they share their testimony over and over and over and lead many to Christ. This is Olivia. She's a, a, a junior this year in high school, and she's a beautiful young girl who loves God, wants to serve him. And from the tiniest, uh, she was just a tiny little baby when we first came uh, to Westside, and we've seen her grow up and love Jesus and serve Jesus, and uh, God is still impacting her life to this day. This is Deborah. She's a mother in our church, uh, two daughters, and she prayed for her husband to come to Jesus for over 16 years, and she was faithful. She never gave up, and uh, one day, uh, after bringing her husband to church, the nicest guy in the world, you know, one of those kind of guys, he shot his uh, hand up and said yes to Jesus. God answered her prayer. This is Craig. He's a CHP, an officer in our church, highway patrol officer in our church, and uh, he came to Jesus because a, his daughter's friend's father invited him at school. You know, you, have, you go pick up your kids at school, you meet the other parents. Uh, one of our folks invited Craig to come to church. And he didn't really want to come to church, but he saw the fruit of, of uh, one of these other guys' uh, daughters and his daughter. And, and uh, so he said yes. And it wasn't long after. It was, it was actually uh, Easter Sunday in uh, 2006. And I gave an altar call. I don't do this very often, but I said, put up your hand if you want to receive Jesus. You know, some people like do this, and you kind of have to look for the hand. Is it out there? I see that hand like this, but he didn't do that. He went, boom, and he kept it up there. And, and uh, I, you know, you just know when somebody crosses from death to life, from darkness to light, from, from the temporal to the eternal, and you see this in their life, and the fruit is... Uh, is wonderful. This is Kenny. Kenny is a young deacon in our church, single guy, and uh, he's crazy. He leads, uh, helps lead junior high ministry, and uh, he's a lot of fun. When Kenny was in high school, he had uh, stage four cancer, and uh, for the second time in his young life. And uh, Jesse Mason, uh, one of the guys on the on the um, New Covenant Ministries International team, was visiting that weekend. He prayed for Kenny. And uh, Kenny was instantly and totally healed, went back to the doctor, and there was no trace of cancer and hasn't been for almost 10 years now. Uh, that's pretty cool. And he serves Jesus, and he's looking for a wife. All right, so um, 
This is Tyler at the very end. Tyler is a young elder in our church. He and his wife just had their first little baby boy. Uh, Tyler came to Christ uh, when he was 15. In our town, there is a, there's a uh, paintball you know, field place where people go and paintball. And, uh, you know, they do their little war games and stuff. And so there was a birthday party out there. And Tyler's friend, it was his birthday, so he went, was invited there. And when they were done, um, Tyler was unscrewing the air canister on his paintball gun. And there was a faulty valve on it. And about uh, 20 feet away, the birthday boy's mom bent over to pick something up simultaneously when this air canister shot out about three feet off the ground, hit her in the side of the head and killed her instantly. And so, you have a young kid who is devastated. And uh, two of our youth group guys worked there. They did CPR on the mom and they surrounded Tyler with love. Brought him to church. And uh, he gave his life to Christ. It's been 12 years, and uh, he's grown. He said yes to Jesus. He's gone through open doors. Uh, he always wants to serve. He simplified his life so that he can serve Jesus. He just, uh, this month, September 1st, came on staff, uh, paid staff at Westside as one of our elders. And God has been glorified through this young man's life. So that's a few of our Westsiders. And that was probably the most interesting first 15 minutes of a sermon you've heard in a long time, right? So thanks you guys very much. Hold on to those signs uh, and uh, take your seats there. All right. We're going to talk about the Great Commission uh, this morning. In Matthew chapter 28 is what we call what's been known as the Great Commission. The Great Commission is what Jesus, uh, the, the command that Jesus gave us. Now, this is called a commission because it is a co-mission. That means all Christ followers, if you said yes to Jesus, if you're a Christian, a Christ follower, you are on mission with Jesus. It's his co-mission. It's his purpose here. And he what he did is he quantified it, simplified it, put it in a nutshell here so that we could uh, know what God has called us to do. So here it is. He said, then the 11 uh, disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. I love how Matthew's is real. We all have our ups and downs. We all have doubts. Um, my dad used to tell me, doubt your doubts. It's a good, it's a good policy. Doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs. But oftentimes we get those conflicted and we believe our doubts and doubt our beliefs. Uh, doubt your doubts. But uh, Matthew's just being real here. Some guys had a hard time. You know, Thomas was one of them and we don't know who the other ones were. Um, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go. We're going to concentrate on that one today and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a great little, uh, little bit of theology there for one God eternally existent in three persons, the name, singular, 
the name, singular, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, plural, singular and plural, one God, eternally existent, three persons, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We call that the Great Commission. It's the last three or four verses of uh, the book of Matthew. And so not only does he tell us to go, but he tells us how to go. And, and, and our mandate is to make disciples. And how do we make disciples? A, we baptize them. I just want to say again, that was uh, James, that was great. Baptism is a public declaration of what's taking place in here. Now God can see this. We know that God sees the heart. We don't. He asks us to demonstrate to the world and, and, and declare that we are Christ's followers. And it, baptism is much more than that, but that's first and foremost, it's obedience and a declaration of your faith. As soon as you get saved, get baptized. And you can not like that. You can be afraid of water. You can say, I don't want to get wet in front of people. You go, I don't want to be embarrassed. You can, you, can, uh, you know... Um, Whatever you want against it, but it's still, it's a command that we've been given. You obey the command. I want to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'll do whatever you say, cross any mountain, and, you know, ford any sea, and, and get baptized. No, I'm not going to do that. We don't have a choice as believers. It is obedience. It's much more. Paul talks about it in Romans. Um, baptize them and teach them to obey. So, that teach them to obey is a big deal. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded, is what Jesus says there. And so, not only are we to teach people what Jesus' commands were, which there are quite a few. Love one another. Love your enemies. Keep the commandments. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. These are all commands that Jesus gave. He said, rejoice. He said, don't fear. He said, don't be anxious. There's a whole bunch of commands. But it's not just teach people what to check off the list. Yeah, I know his commands. But to teach them to obey. Wow. As a classroom teacher, it was one thing to teach my kids the rules. Or as a parent, it was one thing uh, to teach my kids to brush their teeth. You know? But to teach them to Want to obey is our goal. My goal is not to just, you know, have my kids get up like little robots every morning and follow the rules. I want them to own those. It is a good thing for you to clean your room. It is a good thing to study. I want you to treasure those. I want you to own them. I want you to guard them so that you can pass them on to the next generation and see that they're for your highest and for your good because God is full of love. And so, anyway, that's our bandit is to baptize. How do we make disciples? We baptize them. We teach them to obey. But getting back to the going thing, the going thing. Here's a question for you. Do you have a going mindset? Do I have a going mindset? We have a little, or not in our current building, but our old building, we had a little plaque when people left the building that says, you are now entering the mission field. And uh, do we have that mindset that we are all sent ones? And if it's Latin, it's missio or missionary. And if it's Greek, it's apostolos or apostle. It still means the same thing. It's apostle or missionary. It's a sent one. Our modern-day missionaries don't quite look like the apostles that were sent where they planted authentic New Testament churches, but the idea is the same. You, you go. You have this going mentality. Do we have that? 
God is always about going and sending, even way back in Genesis chapter 12. He says this to Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go, way back in the beginning, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I'll show you. Wow. And I'll make you, of you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. And, and to him who dishonors you, I'll curse. And, and you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went. Go. He obeyed. So Abram went. All right? So that leaving your country, your kindred, your, your family, your father's house is, is a mindset. It's a, it's a way of thinking. It's our loyalty. It's our heart. It's our, it's our focus. And, and he was called to leave his country. That's a tough thing to do, right? It's a tough thing when God calls you to leave your country. That's what's familiar. And um, Charles Spurgeon said this, if God calls you to be a missionary, don't stoop to be a king. Abram was called to leave his people. You know, that's your family, your peers, those familiar to you, your church family, Dave and Kathy, Christian and Sue. Those are tough things. When we obey this going thing, we always know that you can never outgive God, that he always multiplies back. Someone once said that the true greatness of any church is not how many it seats, but in how many it sends. We're also called to have this going mindset with our family. It doesn't mean you forsake your family and you hate them. All those references are in comparison to the kingdom. Jesus comes first. And young people, if you're looking for a spouse, by the way, ladies, you want first and foremost to find a guy who loves Jesus more than he loves you. And guys, you want to find a girl who loves Jesus more than she loves you. And while you're waiting for the one, you work on becoming the one that someone out there is praying for. All right? That's a good little bit of advice for you that's not in my notes. <laughs> so back to, therefore, go and make disciples. Just one thing is to make disciples. How? We baptize them. We teach them. The plan is simple. God's plan is simple. The objective is to evangelize the world. And the method is to make disciples of them. It's very simple. It's not that big. So I've got some bright ideas for you. I didn't know what to entitle this, but some, hey, what about this? All right, so here's a couple of bright ideas. How about in this going mentality, we become like Jim Elliott? How many of you know who Jim Elliott was? He's the guy who made, you Wheaton and, and Moody guys should know who that is. All right, he's the guy who said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. All right? He and his uh, five friends... Uh, we'll throw the picture up there. The five friends up there in 1956, uh, they went down to the Alca Indians in Ecuador, and um, they were killed. It was a big deal. If five missionaries were killed today, it would be a big deal. It would be all across the news. And it was then in 1956. It was a big deal. It, it was in Life magazine, big write-ups in the newspapers and things. Uh, Jim Elliott, the one in the middle there, th those guys uh, went to Wheaton College. 
Uh, my dad was at Wheaton when he was there. He was really actually great friends uh, with Nate Saint. He knew Jim Elliott. So I grew up hearing these stories when I was a little kid, hearing about these guys who went to the jungles of Ecuador and were killed for their faith and how their, their wives, all these guys' wives went back and ministered to that same uh, tribe, the Wadani tribe. They were previously called the Alka Indians because that meant like, you know, headhunters, spear hunters. And then they found out that their name was the Wadani people. And, and uh, the wives went back and pretty much the whole tribe came to Jesus. Would you go back to the place where your husband was murdered? It takes a lot of grace. And, and then Jim Elliott's uh, uh, diary comes out, and he's, he's got a ton of good quotes. The, the most famous one is, he's no fool who gives what he cannot keep. There, there's nothing you have now that you're going to keep. Nothing on this earth. It's all going to burn. It doesn't matter. Uh, the only thing you'll keep is your relationship with Jesus. And the only thing you'll take to heaven is those people who've responded to the call of the gospel, your kids, your friends, your family, your sphere of influence. So a few years later, uh, Jim's pastor was flying over the place, the sandbar on the river where these guys were killed. And uh, the pilot says, right down there, that's where Jim died. And the pastor goes, no. He goes, no, 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 maybe you didn't hear me. That's where Jim died right there. And the pastor said, no, that's not where Jim died. I was there the night that Jim came down to the front and got on his knees and said yes to Jesus. That's when he died. When we give up our rights, when we step off our throne and we invite Jesus to lead our life, that's the day we die. And we become living sacrifices from that time. Or, number two, maybe you could uh, do what John the Apostle did. Here's what he did in 1 John chapter 1. He writes to us, the church, and he says this. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. We, we were with him. We saw him. We heard him. We touched him. This is the one. And, and down in verse 3, he says, We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you might have fellowship with us. He said, we saw Jesus. Number one, he said, we encountered Jesus. That's a good 21st century word. It, it means that we, we like, knew him. We were there. We encountered him. It wasn't just a passing by little fleeting thought. It wasn't just getting teary-eyed in a worship service. It wasn't just saying amen to a prayer sometime when we were 12 and then the rest of our life live it the way we want. No, this is an encounter with Jesus that John is talking about. He said, we saw him, we touched him, he revealed himself uh, to us. We were eyewitnesses of these things. And I just want to say this, that no one who has ever encountered Jesus is ever the same again. No one who's ever encountered Jesus is ever the same again. So John says, we proclaim Jesus. We encountered him, so we're telling you about him. That's, that's our mandate. And so that you can have fellowship with one another and with God. And, and down in verse 3, it says, we proclaim to you ourselves. We are, ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. So let's apply those two things that John just talked about. We, we encounter Jesus, 
and we proclaim him. So I'm going to turn those around into questions. Number one, have you encountered Jesus? Like the woman at the well, who was an outcast from her community. She had to go out and get water in the middle of the day because none of the other women in the community would be around her. And she was a Samaritan, and Jesus comes up to her while the disciples go into town to get food. And Jesus said, woman, give me a drink. And she goes, why are you talking to me? You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. And Jews hate Samaritans. Why are you talking to me? Because you're a man, and I'm a woman. You're breaking all the rules, Jesus. And Jesus said, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask me that I would give you living water so that you wouldn't have to draw from this well again. And she goes, wow. Jesus said, go get your husband. And she goes, I don't have a husband. Jesus goes, you answered truthfully because you've had five husbands and the guy you're shacking up with now is not your husband. And she goes, you must be a prophet. (laughs) And then she tries to sidetrack him on a couple of religious discussions. And then she realizes when Jesus says, I am the Messiah. She believes that. She encountered the living God. She ran into town and told the whole village. And days later, they all say to her, now we believe, not because you told us, but because we've seen him as well. Or maybe you've encountered Jesus like Nicodemus, the the guy who was the Pharisee and the teacher, and, and he was afraid of his peers, so he met Jesus at night on the rooftop, and Jesus said, Nicodemus, you got to be born again. That blew his world apart. And he was never the same again. Or maybe you're the man who was born blind and Jesus healed him. Jesus spat in the mud, made some mud and put it on his eyes and the guy could see. And in the history of Israel, no person ever born blind was healed of their blindness. And people saw that that was amazing. And the Pharisees heard about it. And they said, how how did you get healed? Well, this man made mud and put, oh, that stopped him right there. He worked on the Sabbath. And they were all upset because Jesus broke the rules. They bypassed the fact that this guy was healed. And they chose to look at their religiosity and their legalism instead of the true encounter with Jesus. And they said to this guy, now, are you his follower also? And he goes, I don't know. He goes, the only thing I know is this. Once I was blind, and now I can see. You go, you go figure it out. And they were so mad, they kicked him out of the temple. But he encountered Jesus, he was never the same. Or maybe you're the thief at the cross. You messed up so bad, and you deserve everything that's happening to you. And just in desperation, you reach out to Jesus, and you say, please remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. All these encounters. My, probably my favorite one is with Paul, the great apostle. And um, in Acts chapter 9, as he was approaching, that's Paul. His name was Saul at that time. was approaching Damascus on this mission to go arrest all the Christians. A light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you're 
persecuted. And then Paul realized in a moment, in this flash of brilliance, that his whole life that was geared toward uh, um, um, keeping the temple sacred and keeping the traditions alive and keeping the people of God pure, his whole legalistic way of looking at things, and, and, and he overlooked the miracles of God, the wonder of God, the grace of God. He, he realized in a moment that he, as he, every person he dragged out of their, their, their house, every uh, child he ripped from the mother's arms, every, every person that he had thrown in prison and, and beaten, he wasn't persecuting them, he was persecuting Jesus the creator of heaven and earth. And in an instant, in a blinding moment, Paul realized that he was without hope. He, he was destitute, that all his works, doing the right thing, standing up for the right thing, he thought, was all for naught. It was absolutely worthless. And he was utterly without hope except for the grace of God. The thing is, from that moment, he went through three days of blindness and, you know, he had his uh, eyesight restored. But from that moment, Paul served Jesus. He was beaten. He was left for dead after being stoned. And he was shipwrecked and he went hungry and he went cold. He went in danger from thieves and highway robbers. And from that moment that Paul encountered Jesus, he was never the same again. I don't know if that grips you. But he was never the same again. And he didn't deserve it. And we get the gospel in a nutshell in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He didn't, God didn't love the world, the earth. He loved people, the world, you and me. That he gave himself. He left his glory to die on the cross for us. And when we truly encounter Jesus, we're never the same. That whosoever believes, that is the broadest invitation you can imagine. Whosoever believes. Not just a mental acquiescence, but a true relying on trusting in him. Placing your faith in him. Whoever believes would not perish, but have everlasting life. I don't know if you can picture how great Jesus is. And, and the sad thing is some of us grow up in the church and we think, well, I've never robbed a bank. I've never been part of a drug cartel. And, and I haven't done any of these bad things. I don't have this great testimony to share. Let me tell you that growing up in the kingdom of God with godly parents, teaching you the word of God, giving your life to Jesus, progressively understanding him and loving him more to a greater degree as every maturing Christian does is the greatest testimony. Never falling away is a great testimony. Don't go out and screw up just so you can have a better testimony later. Please. Please. You see, the Great Commission is going. It is going. And you can go every day. You can go to your family and your friends and your neighborhood, your classmates. It's a way of life. It's a mindset. Everybody in this room has a sphere of influence. Each of you have a circle of acquaintances and friends that we don't have. Only you have those. And through this church, several hundred people have, having tentacles into this city, 
reaching into the thousands, if not tens of thousands. What a sphere this church has if everybody has a going mindset to go out in every way. And you go, I'm not like Jim Elliott. I don't want to die in Ecuador. And I'm not like the Apostle John who stood in a pot of boiling oil and didn't die. I'm not those guys. What can I do? Jesus gives us a pattern in Luke chapter 10. I want to go through this quickly. Just read Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 9. Now the Lord chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. Pray. Uh, uh, the harvest is great. The workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest who's in charge of the harvest. Pray for more workers. That's you. And he says, now go. There it is again. That's the great commission. He said, remember, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. You know, guard your heart. Be innocent. Don't think you know it all. Go as a as a, gently as a lamb. Don't take any money with you or a traveler's bag or an extra pair of sandals and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. That means trust God, stay focused, stay single-minded in your purpose of telling people about Jesus. Whenever you enter a ho- a someone's house, first say, may God's peace be on this house. I, I, honestly, I've never walked into a house and say, may God's peace be on this house. <laughs> but I do see in here, don't be a jerk. All right? That's what I do see. If those who live there are peaceful, if those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they're not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Be patient. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. Hang out with people. Be patient. Take your time. Verse 9 says, heal the sick. You know what that means? Minister to them where they're at. If they're hungry, feed them. If they're cold, Give them a coat. If they're thirsty, give them water. If there's injustice, stand up for justice. But remember this, because I know that it's, it's becoming increasing. It's an increasing issue in our day and age, particularly in the church, if people want to stand up for justice. Justice without Jesus is an eternal injustice. We don't want people to go to hell warm and, 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 and full of water and food. We want them to go with Jesus, all right? And so finally, it says this in verse 9, it says, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. And then tell them. Do all this other stuff. Be patient. Hang out with them. Don't, don't be a jerk. Meet their needs. And then tell them. At some point in your life, even though St. Francis of Assisi says, preach the gospel in all ways at all times, and if necessary, use words, you know that thing? Like live the gospel, that's true. But at some point, you've got to use your words. At some point, you've got to tell people to Jesus. When they're in desperation and they come to you and say, how do you have such peace in the time of storm? And you can say, it's because Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. By the way, that line is one of the greatest pieces of theology ever written. You can tell them your words. You know, when I started off my talk telling about myself, I, I was watching it, and it took 90 seconds to tell my story, where I was before I met Jesus, how I met Jesus, and how he's lo- uh, loved me and been faithful ever since. You might only have 90 seconds with somebody. Practice your story. On an elevator ride or a walk up a, the stairs or a short cab ride or something, practice your story. Hallmark can get you to cry in 30 seconds. On a commercial. I know they can. So, 
One of the best uh, arguments to support sharing your faith is your changed life. Because your story, nobody can take away. It's your story. It happened to you. And we all have a story. And that's what we're to share. So I want to, before we close, I just want to reintroduce our West Side uh, peeps. Uh, take a couple more minutes. I just want to do something that's a little bit of an illustration here. If all you guys would um, come back up and stand on that side over there and stand on this side over here. And then I would like Jenna to come and stand right down here in the front. Who's Jenna? Jenna, okay. Jenna's over here, right here. I like Joe and Pam to stand up behind her right on either side, and, and uh, Olivia to come up here, too. And then I'll direct the rest of you. All right, remember I said you won't forget this. You're not going to forget this, because it shows and displays the goodness of God. Okay. Joan, you're not here yet, sorry. But that's totally, no, stay right there, stay right there, stay right there. That is totally Joan. She always wants to be in the middle of everything. She is the sweetest little old lady. She's the sweetest little old lady. All right. So Jenna um, is a young, remember, she's the young mother and nurse in our church. When she was a teenager, she babysat Olivia, who's now a junior in our high school. She babysat Olivia. So I don't know if Olivia, just tuck in right behind Joe and Pam because you're their daughter. Joe and Pam are Olivia's parents. And um, Joe and Pam said, we want Olivia to be a nice young lady like Jenna. Jenna didn't witness to them. She goes, um, she was 15. Come to our church. That's what she said, really. Come to our church. And um, so they did. Joe, the football guy. Pam, uh, the recovery, recovered alcoholic and now wonderful woman of God, uh, hospitality, they are now el- on eldership in our church, came to Jesus. Pam was in the grocery store. Joan, come on now. Come on back. Be ready, Joan. <laughs> All right. Pam overheard Joan saying, we don't have a church when they were by the potatoes. And so Pam invited Joan and Tina. Where's Tina? Stand right, tuck right behind Joan. Joan's friend was Tina, and so they come to church. Joan gets saved. Remember the 70-year-old and her husband, Tom? Hold Tom up. Tom passed away three years ago. He is in heaven today with Jesus because someone invited his wife to church at the potatoes. You don't have to be like Jim Elliott and go to Ecuador and get killed by Indians. Just keep your ears open. And keep, be ready to go, have this going mindset. So, um, and then Joe, he takes Jenna to school. And where's uh, Craig and Deborah? Come up and stand right behind Joe. Craig's do- uh, daughter and, Je- and, uh, and Olivia are friends. So uh, Joe invites Craig. Craig's the CHP uh, who loves uh, four-wheel driving, by the way. So he started a four-wheel drive club in our church. And so Deborah was the wife praying for her husband for 15, 16 years. And Craig comes to Jesus on Easter morning with his hand up. 
Isn't that amazing? So not long after, Jeff pulls in, and Janelle, Jeff and Janelle are a couple, uh, Jeff screams in and says, are you having a four-wheel drive club here? And Craig says, no. And, you know, of course, there's other people involved in lives. There's not just one person that brings people to Jesus, you know. Of course, other people are praying and involved. But this is a real clear pattern that appeared in our church. And so Jeff and Janelle had never been to church before. They, they, Jeff goes two times on our four-wheel drive trip. And then the third time he says, Janelle, you've got to come with these people. They are, they are not like any people you've ever met. So she came, and she, she went, and they, they started coming to church. And after about six months of hearing the gospel week after week, they both hugged me at the door and say, we received Jesus today. We said yes to him, and we meant it. It was the first time. Here's the thing that's a little bit difficult. Six months ago today, Jeff was 41 years old. He woke up and wasn't feeling well. They rushed him to the hospital, and he died He's in the presence of Jesus right now because Jenna was a good babysitter and Joe invited his friend to come to church and he got saved and he started a four-wheel drive club. How theologically deep is that? (laughs) Then we have uh, next to Jenna, Tad. Uh, Where's Tad? You can come down here. We're going to do a little offshoot over on the side, down on the front. Then we have Tad. Tad and Jenna are good friends. But Jenna, when we came to the church, she was 15, and there was no youth group. So she said, I want to start a youth group. So Tad was one of the other high schoolers in the church. He goes, well, I'll help. And so they're they're friends. They're they're both married to different people, but they're friends. They're good friends that grew up in church together. Tad, by the way, went out to help plant the church in San Jose that we started a couple years ago. And he's there. And so Tad was working at a paintball park one day, and Tyler and Tyler's two best friends, Kenny and Joey, since kindergarten, Joey or Kenny go over there by Tyler, Joey go over there by Tyler. Those three are are, uh, two of those are deacons in our church. One's an elder. They've been best friends since kindergarten. They're all in their late twenties now. Tyler comes to Jesus through the tragedy of accidentally killing that woman. He gets saved. He brings Joey and Kenny to church. Kenny comes first. Kenny gets healed of cancer. Joey is the agnostic. He took a while, but now they're all loving God and serving Jesus. Isn't that amazing? From, from a babysitter. And you think, ah, oh, we got two more over here. So Mike and Patty are Jenna's parents. So come out and stand in front of Jenna. Mike in front of Jenna and Patty in front of Mike. Hugh and Vanessa. There you go. Good. Yeah, there you go. So Jenna came to Jesus because her dad loved Jesus and brought her to church every week. Her dad loved Jesus because he sat at the back of the church for 18 months while Patty was recovering from her gunshots, wounds. He had to drive her every week because she couldn't drive. And uh, he says yes to Jesus. So it comes down to a person with a strategy. I mean, a tragedy. A strategy for a tragedy. I don't know if you've met people that have encountered horrific circumstances in their life. But they choose to walk above that. They choose to walk in joy and forgiveness. That choice that Patty made 
35 years ago resulted in this. Actually, when you think about it, none of that would have happened if she hadn't said yes. She could have walked away from God. Her husband would have been happy, and he would have hated God today. Isn't that amazing? I was anticipating this all the time. You can tell I've been emotional the whole day because it really is difficult. But I'm telling you, God is faithful. And sometimes we get so complicated. Just represent Jesus in your sphere of influence. Make eye contact with people. I know it's tough in a city. They don't do that. They think you're weird if you do. Smile more often. Engage people at work and in your sphere of influence and in in your neighborhood. There's a world of hurting people out there who desperately need salvation. They need the grace of God to come on their lives. So I want to encourage you today. Can you today decide, I will represent Jesus in my sphere of influence? And if you're one of those ones out there sitting there today that you don't know if you've ever really said yes to Jesus, right where you're seated, right now, right this moment, you can say, yes, I follow you. I give my life to you. Everything that that guy up there said, I believe that. And I want to be a Christ follower, a Christian from this moment on. Amen. Let's give him a big hand. Yeah, let's just bow our heads. Father, I pray right now that truth would be more important than emotion. And your word says, go therefore. I pray that we would have a going mentality throughout our lives. I pray that every person we encounter is a person who desperately needs Jesus. I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit's presence. Give us a supernatural ability to get outside of our comfort zone and engage people where they're at. Thank you, Lord, for this great privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One more thing. You guys all have a timeline like that. You may not see it in the same church, but somebody told you who told them, who told them, who told them about Jesus. And it goes all the way back to when Jesus called the apostles and he said, go therefore. That chain hasn't been broken because you're here today. Amen? Awesome.